Welcome to this episode of Bloodhound Picks. As always, I am one of your hosts, Craig. I'm Kyle. And I'm Josh. And this week we are going back to, I believe it's our first double feature since, well, at least forever. Since we, yeah. Yeah. In, since in we this, started recording in this presidency. This new year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it is under, it is Josh's pick for netherworld and for night killer since there josh's i'll let him dealer's choice of what he wants to start with and give you the synopsis and everything take it away okay so we're gonna have to do netherworld first because that's a complete piece of shit compared to night killer so (laughs) you're goddamn right um i mean fucking a um so netherworld is from 1992 um it's a full moon picture release, which should give you a lot of insight into what you're getting into. Um, it's got really fucking cool poster art, and that's about it. But um, the synopsis here on on the Internet Movie Database says, uh, a young man arrives at his father's mansion in Louisiana to discover that a secretive cult is using winged creatures, in other words, birds, to raise the dead to do their bidding. I mean, what the fuck does even uh, a young man arrives at his father's mansion in Louisiana remind you of immediately? The beyond. There, that is correct, Kyle. Um, Can we we just play trivia? (laughs) Damn, maybe we should. We can just skip talking about this and we'll just play, yeah. Trivia game, uh, but the answer is going to be the beyond for every question. And somehow Craig's just uh, always not going to yeah. know it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Netherworld. Um, I almost, I didn't actually have this selection uh, when I first came up with these two, but I saw that. Um, I don't even know how I saw it, but it was like some anniversary of the release okay. or something. Um, and so I changed my mind and selected it. And honestly, part of the reason too, was that poster art. I remember as a young man, um, just being terrifying, um, cause it is pretty badass, but, um, then you that's watch about, the movie. <laughs> yeah. And, and then when you see the, the, the film, um, you, you realize that the poster is the is the only thing badass about it um i'll give that i'll give that for full moon is that they knew how to do good poster true yeah (laughs) true i mean if there's one thing that they were actually good at um (laughs) that would definitely be it um so netherworld yeah um I, i mean the plot synopsis is pretty straightforward um however the movie is not and um I I was just kind of in a state of confusion for pretty much the entire thing. Um, I was never really sure what was going on or why things were happening. <laughs> um, I mean, it was just like random event after random event uh, that didn't really make sense ever. Um, and then I guess like it sort of kind of was like, (laughs) you know, they, they clearly, they clearly spent 
like all of the money for whatever the budget was at at the end, which is fine, I suppose. But um, just in getting from the beginning to that moment, it was just a fucking blur of I don't fucking have an, any idea, really. Um, the, I thought it was interesting. So essentially, we have like, what, two locations for this film, the estate which, you know, was a, I guess, a mansion type house in Louisiana. And then the other location was this bar that was conspicuously about 20 feet away from the mansion, which is really convenient, I guess, if you want to, you know, go have some drinks that also happened to be this bar was also like on stilts over the top of a bayou. And somehow yeah. or another, when you, when you got inside of the bar, it was, I don't know, impossibly fucking huge. Um, you'll see what I mean. Um, and there's kind a of basement. Funny. Yes. And, yeah. And there's a basement. Um, or something so on yeah, stilts. The, yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's, it's basically just these two locations um, for pretty much the entire film. Um, that was just, I mean, confusing as hell. I mean, I, I don't really know of another way of describing the, the experience of being like, I, I have no idea. Okay, sure. Yeah. I watched it last weekend cause I wanted to get a head start and then I rewatched it last night and I still don't know what happened. <laughs> like at all. Really. <laughs> I'm I'm glad that yeah you both said that because I watched it last night and there was a part of me that was like well did I watch this movie too late am I more tired than I assumed because I'm just not following anything that's happening but yeah I'm glad it wasn't just a me thing or that you know no it wasn't you I knew once no, once we had the kid on the boat with the voiceover about like how crazy his experience was that we're about to watch or whatever. And like his dad <laughs> died and shit. I was like, we're in for something here. This isn't going to be good. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, you know, it's funny that you said that you mentioned, I mean, how many fucking voiceovers are you going to have in this fucking movie? Seriously. But one of the more, I guess, you know, we were talking about how nonsensical most of this is. One of the things that really stuck out to me as being like just completely nonsensical was the the guy, the character who inherits the estate in Louisiana, his father passed away, hence him inheriting this estate. And he never, he's like, what, 30, maybe 25, whatever. So... He's never met his father either, which we, that was not confusing. And <laughs> he also mentions that his dad, didn't his dad just like abandon him and his mother or something, yeah. you know? So he, he, so he's never met his dad and the guy shows up at the, at the estate and creepy lawyer guy gives him uh, these, this notebook that his dad had written these, like, I guess, letters to the son asking him to do all this fucking random shit. And the kid is just like, 
I got to do this. I got to. And it's like, why? Why the fuck would you <laughs> care? You've never met this guy in your life. He, You've already stated that he abandoned you and your mother. Fuck this guy. Why do you care? Well, and then you well, get the... And then the... Go ahead, Greg. Oh. No, I was just going to say, you get... So, it, I guess, for spoiler sake of the movie The Skeleton Key... <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> um, you get almost the the plot of that where, you know, they want to, um, the father wants to live on through the son's body with voodoo, magic, you know, whatever. Bird voodoo. They're dis- Bird yeah. voodoo. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it becomes this whole thing where you get that reveal pretty early on, it seems like, for me. Or earlier on that it's not like a twist ending you're like oh okay so then why is the son still doing this if he knows that his father kind of wants to use his body or i don't know it just kind of keeps going he kind of gets seduced by the father's like magical mistress but that's like much later yeah (laughs) well and another thing too i mean like you you kind of like you get that the dad you do like what i just said the dad wanting to who is passed away wanting to come back to life and live through the son's body i mean you get that information i don't even remember that it was early though and then the preceding you know let's say hour it's almost like the kid doesn't get it and he still (laughs) is like finding out information that he should already fucking know i mean that just is run not away that's, exactly like that's what happens when you don't dance with crazy old bijou like he wants to dance yeah. with you at the bar on stilts and he's willing to beat another man to, to dance with you and you don't do it oh fuck yeah i forgot about the <laughs> spurning of bijou <laughs> The, best, uh, the highlight for me is the Marilyn Monroe <laughs> impo- or impersonator who is not really or says she isn't. But then she has that moment where she's like, well, maybe next time you'll come in my room. I have like moves no one knows, but now I'm going to leave the movie. Yeah. Like she's in like two scenes. Yeah. <laughs> did you guys, so did anyone else watch the post credit scene? I know I told Craig to. Yeah. I don't where think I did, but... no. It's weird. I mean, I guess they're supposed to be the bird people or something, but they just say <laughs> something about, like, what is taffeta or what is something that must have been mentioned in the movie? But, yeah, there's just, like, a weird, like, jokey post-credit outtake thing with, like, the bird people. And they're just sitting at which, a, yeah, a table. and <laughs> Yeah. Which is funny that you bring up the taffeta because we, my wife and I looked that up because we're like, what the hell even is that? And it's just some like boozy, like Louisiana drink. Okay. So that green, that green shit that they kept drinking that was in like, I don't know, three different scenes. That's what taffeta is. It's just some like, you know, Louisiana, you know, alcoholic drink. Weird. Bloodhound picks where you learn stuff. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. I, for no explainable reason, love the song that's in the middle of the movie. <laughs> that's like a weird montage that really feels out of place. Like it feels like 
feels like a whole different fucking movie. And then they just play like that entire wordless song while he's like dancing with his dad's mistress or whatever. And I'm like, I feel like yeah. I'm supposed to feel stuff, but all I'm <laughs> I just like this song, but I don't know what this is doing here. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that was strange. I forgot about that, but yeah, that was strange. So yeah. do we have, and it was like, have any? <laughs> it was like surprisingly like a short movie, but there were so many moments that felt padded. Like, yeah. like, uh, so, you know, after the kid first gets to the, to the estate and there's the, the older woman who's like the housekeeping person. Right. Mm -hmm. And she's got like the slutty daughter. Yeah. Um, who's into older man. And then, I'm into older man. And the, but the, there's, the, yeah, there's that point though, where the slutty daughter tells the, the main character like, Oh, I'll give you a tour. And then, like, there's a scene where she's, like, taking him around the estate, but not saying a word. And I'm like, <laughs> that's not, that's kind of weird. Like, you know, most of the time when you're around another person that you don't really know, you fucking talk. I don't know. It was fucking weird. And it's like, why even bother having that in there? Padding, I guess, it seems like. Yeah. 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 No, it felt like it lasted that movie like two as hours long as long turn the foundation <laughs> yeah yes uh did you guys notice when i think it's towards like the hour mark somewhere in there where he's uh he's i think he's like starting to realize what the fuck's going on but he's in a bathtub and that mistress has her hand in the bathtub and he's like we're cutting these flashes of his realization but it looks like she's giving him a hand job <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was again. Uh, that was a highlight. It was interesting. <laughs> yeah, I'm not quite sure what I'm supposed to be getting out of this. Nobody well, knows. there's a couple scenes like that, where it's just yeah, simulation of I don't know hand jobs and <laughs> and bird voodoo. Bird yeah, voodoo, and then just that hand. <laughs> Which just felt like the, uh, <laughs> to me, it just felt like they saw Phantasm. They're like, we need a, we just need a thing that flies through the air and fucking kills people. Yeah, I was going to say, we can't, we have to mention how much they love Phantasm because, yeah. yeah, so there's a stone hand in the basement that would not exist of the bar <laughs> that's actually a brothel. I guess we need to be a lot more clear. And the stone hand basically flies around, you know, like the fucking sphere in Phantasm and kills the bad men. <laughs> but even like the like the tracking of the thing, I mean, it's just like, yeah, you guys like Phantasm, don't you? It even flies through the corridors that look like the Phantasm, like Mortuary. And think about it now, maybe the reason why it was so strange as they kind of followed that phantasm dream logic yeah just with without without even logic <laughs> dream logic yeah i was gonna say dream logic yeah <laughs> <clears throat> okay so any last words on this one before we move to night killer um just just buy the poster yeah <laughs> yeah exactly skip the film get a poster 
you'll you'll thank the you'll thank us later. <laughs> Josh, send us on our way for Night Killer. The all right, so yeah, um, Night Killer um, might be one of my favorite movies right now. Um, this <laughs> is this one's from 1990, so I kind of had a somewhat of a theme, I guess, and at least you know the era these were made. Uh, Night Killer though is an Italian film, um, directed by Claudio. Fragasso. Um, and I guess um, I'll give you the, uh, the the Internet Movie Database says that the, the synopsis of this film is a serial killer with a rubber like Freddy Krueger mask terrifies the city of Virginia Beach, which has got to be the stupidest synopsis but i mean it it's not incorrect um this movie is way better than it has any fucking right or reason to be i should say too um since we're on the topic of of bloodhound picks and and being educated um <laughs> that this film was released in 1990 and in italy it was called the texas chainsaw massacre 3 um, which is fucking hilarious because the actual Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3 also came out in 1990. <laughs> and this movie has absolutely nothing to do <laughs> with the franchise whatsoever. It was clearly just one of those Italian things of, fuck it, let's just use that name. Everyone's going to know what that is and everyone's going to want to see it. So it, I thought that it was doesn't even funny. deal with backwoods yeah. or anything remotely at all texas chainsaw takes place in virginia beach apparently too <laughs> i saw that too and apparently texas chainsaw in italy was called do not open the door so it was <laughs> so this was called do not open the door three <laughs> nice nice yes so um yeah so night killer is just goddamn amazing there's not one choice in this movie <laughs> that is made that is wrong i mean not <laughs> one there's not and it's it's one of those things too where um it's like it's weird that it's it's sort of like a jalo but it's also a slasher which is kind of like yeah i mean you know sometimes they're similar um, they definitely kind of share, you know, certain, uh, attributes, but, um, obviously this is an Italian film too, where that type of stuff is always going to be prominent, but, um, the guy, yeah. So the killer in the movie, uh, is just weirdly modeled after Robert England too, which I guess, you know, I don't know, maybe, uh, since, they were calling it Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3 <laughs> instead of just having him look like Leatherface. Let's have him look like Robert England. I don't know. The mask, though, I mean, it does look like that. Um, but I feel like it's not it's derivative, but it's not like. It's not a stone cold ripoff, I guess. Um, I would say that the 
the long fingernailed glove is probably <laughs> a little more, um, which is also hilarious because it's clearly rubber, but he fucking punches right through torsos <laughs> like it's nobody's yeah. business. Yes, even after it's um, revealed that it's rubber. And he yeah. slices across a person's throat in the opening, not to mention with a rubber nail, apparent well, rubber like fingernail claw thing. <laughs> and then and then the uh the effect of the throat slit is gone after she gets up and runs for about another five minutes. But um, she just like, can't speak. That's yeah. Like I said, there is not one choice that this movie makes that is not exactly what they should have done. Um, there's also another great sequence where the killer, he is in like a natural history museum, I guess. And it's like closing time. So these like security guard types are like leaving the building and they're telling this woman who obviously is like in charge of shit that they're leaving. And so they go out the door and the woman is clearly there by herself. And wouldn't you know it, that fucking killer just shows up out of nowhere. And funny thing though, the woman is wearing glasses and high heels and she takes off running to get away from the dude and she falls and her glasses fall off of her face and she gets up and kicks off the high heeled shoes, takes off running again. Of course, the killer nabs her and kills her, but she's wearing both the high heeled shoes and the glasses when he does. So, <laughs> I mean, fucking a dude, bitch is magical or something. I don't get it. I was marveling too much <laughs> at the shot through the aquarium like right at the beginning of that for no reason, which is amazing. So I have yeah, to also I... say in the, in the beginning, I wanted to get to this point that, so um, we have a character who is the only survivor of him so far. And she suffered some trauma through it for name, eight hours. Craig. She has a name and it's Melanie. Okay. <laughs> and then <laughs> back. Okay, so anyways, she blocked it out of her memory, everything. There's a point she's driving early on within, was it, the first half hour mark. A guy who is drinking insults her, is like talking, you know. He's trying to hit on her. Sexually, <laughs> yeah, he's sexually aggressive to her. She turns quickly turns away, not wanting to. He turns around, follows her. I'll do the whole play-by-play -play just to show. Um, well, you miss that he's drinking a bottle of liquor, yeah. and he offers yeah. her some from his car to hers. Like, how would she even get it? Yeah. <laughs> so then he follows her into a building, goes into the women's restroom. Then she pulls the gun out on, on him, tells him to undress, which he's wearing like a little Speedo thing, throws his clothes on the toilet. Then she leaves, calling him an asshole and then he comes out of the toilet and what there's the reception guy who's like hey where are your clothes at man it's like i was molested <laughs> in the in little, the boys, little room. boys room that's the Clearly. best part that <laughs> so, is anyway. one of the greatest things ever so after all that he still follows her as she finds her on the beach committing suicide and it's with like pills how and the liquor. Fuck did he ever know where she <laughs> went 
and then he's made out to be the good guy is the moral to that it's like he saves her and all this stuff and he ends up being her husband at the end like it's not really well spelled out but i guess apparently it was the whole time but yeah you're like you're a person perverted guy that's willing to follow a woman into a woman's restroom like basically but he was he was supposed to be doing that right because the the woman melanie's psychiatrist wanted the husband to play out this like douchey bit in order to get her to snap out of her i guess (laughs) pstd or you know her basically like uh repressing all of this shit because she's the only one that's actually seen the face of the killer but because you know it was so traumatic she can't remember it so it, it is one of those things where, <laughs> I mean, I'll never forget the first time I saw this movie, which was a long time ago, and I've seen it many times since then. But um, it's almost like one of those like twist things that it it's completely implausible, but it's so much smarter than you would ever think could come out of a movie like this. <laughs> that, I mean, it's just, it's literally borders on genius. It really does. Um I want to talk about the fucking <laughs> ridiculous uh, guy who runs the hotel that they're staying at. Who like so the perverted guy takes his wife that we don't know is his wife is like holding her hostage at this hotel and eating fried chicken and abusing her basically. <laughs> but then the uh, like I don't even know what the scene is before, but the dude's coming back to the hotel and that guy's just like, oh, you guys. How, did you have a great night with your girlfriend last night? She seemed really drunk or something. And then they, uh, and then she tries to shoot him or he tries to shoot her. And then that guy shows up and is like, what was that? It was a gunshot. And then he's like, uh, what does he say? He's like, we you, broke the mirror. Yeah, we broke a mirror. But the, but the hotel guy's like, we can't have any of that here. You understand? Like, this is for your own well being, bud. I don't know. <laughs> you had to be there. <laughs> It's just one of those things, just like everything else, where it's like, uh, what? Like, dude, that was clearly a fucking gunshot. And he's like, no, we just broke a mirror because they sound exactly the same. (laughs) Yes. I also love the fucking detective guy. He had some great lines. uh, Yeah. When he's bullying that manager later when he's like... uh, I think the guy wants reward money or something. He's like, I'll give you fucking 10 seconds to get the fuck out of here. Yeah. He's like something about punching his rat face. Yes. <laughs> In case you couldn't tell, this movie was way better than Netherworld. It really is. <laughs> it I also, mean, it, I, I, I noticed a lot of weird Wes Craven parallels. Cause they had the Freddy Krueger mask. They're clearly kind of trying to throw that in there. But then like the way that first woman dies who can't talk anymore was a lot like Drew Barrymore in Scream 1 where she can't like breathe. She can't breathe. She's like stabbed and her parents are coming home. But also kind of like Scream 2 when Jada Pinkett gets killed. She's in that theater and there's everybody there, but she can't like they don't know what's going on. So I feel like this simultaneously like ripped him off and presaged what he was gonna do well, yeah I mean, this was this was before yeah so 
But I yeah, that's in. Well, and the killer's Especially calling the, people. Well, and you know, you were talking about the 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 death that's sort of similar to the Jada Pinkett Smith one, um, which, by the way, we should mention that that scene in particular opens with the greatest choreographed dance scene in cinema <laughs> oh, yeah. history. And we've seen um, it but yeah, so, yeah, and the break. So the woman, yeah, she gets she gets her throat slit with a rubber fingernail. And she's in this theater, right? And but she can't, you know, alert anyone because there's all these dancers that could obviously maybe do something to help her. But, um, but yeah, amazing. Craig, you were gonna say the woman right before that, the dance instructor. Oh, the dancers aren't dancing up to her her expectations, so she has like an emotional breakdown. But it feels like there was no script for it. And then no, she's just she, very, she very God lines. Yeah. She's just like, oh, oh I just, I'm so, I'm so nervous. It's amazing. I, <laughs> you guys, it just feels like somebody who doesn't know their lines and doesn't nope. know how to improvise or anything. And so that's it. She pulls out a cigarette, but then puts the cigarette away. And it's like and this whole. Thing. Off. Yeah. Yeah. It lasts about 30 seconds too long, too. Yeah. <laughs> Again. This movie does not make an incorrect choice in anything it does. <laughs> yes. You also have so much of the fucking um, psychologist. Like, there's also a lot of people talking to the reporters that it seems like why. Like, the neighbor guy yeah. who turns out to be the killer. Like, he was part of the first attack. And he just gives out so much exposition to the reporter. Yeah. He's like, yeah, we're, we're family friends and we watch her daughter when she can't and she's just not been the same since her husband left and that fucking guy came in here he scratched my face <laughs> and other stuff happened there's a lot of backstory it's like why are you telling her this <laughs> but it's not shot like a news report either it's not like with that type of camera thing it's just normal but like, who then, are you even talking to and then you get the um the psychologist doing the same thing like towards the end where he's just like laying out the entire psychology the psychology of what's going on <laughs> amazing <laughs> yeah i mean honestly i think the the um i think the worst part of the movie was the ending i just that that just seemed completely tacked on with the the girl getting the present that was it's like what the hell is she gonna do is she she's fucking 10 she's gonna start killing people that was like my favorite part because they were just basically <laughs> oh, wow. like we're idiots and so we're just gonna imply that like the mask is the evil or some shit <laughs> like we're gonna we're trying to squeeze a sequel out of this <laughs> well that, and I, I mean that's totally understandable but yeah it's, it's just like at the same time it's like this girl is literally 10 i don't think she's gonna just go around and start murdering people although I mean, apparently all you need to do is have that glove on and you can punch right through torsos. So I was going to say, I mean, this is it could happen in Virginia Beach. Yeah. Clearly, yes. Okay, so anyway, any last... if, you seen, if you haven't seen Night Killer, you need to change that. Yeah, pretty much drop what you're doing and, and uh, probably drink any and all alcohol that's near you and watch it. Yeah. It's definitely going to enhance your experience. 
for those interested in watching it for at least as of the time that we're recording this in late February, you can watch them on Tubi, both of these films. And I would just go ahead and say, I don't think they're going anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> 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 okay. So any last minute comments before we leave? I think we covered it. Okay. Have a great night and thanks for listening, everyone. Bloodhound Picks Podcast is part of the Morbidly Beautiful Podcast Network. Produced by Josh Lee, Craig Drum, and Kyle Hintz. Music by Raymond Seed. Editing by Kyle Hintz.